Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. A lot of what kids learn, a lot of what adults learn, about worry, a lot of what they pick up, a lot of what they wish for is that it's going to go away. They're doing things and they're taught things that are about elimination. And when we talked about expecting to worry as the first puzzle piece, This is the pattern we want to interrupt, that you're supposed to do things to get rid of it. So when we externalize it, we're saying two things at once. We're saying both, this is a part of you. It's not going anywhere. We all have a worry part. And you can respond and react to it in a different way. Welcome to Fluster Clucks with Lynn Lyons, where we talk about how to manage those tricky emotions that show up in all families. Serious stuff without being too serious. I'm your co-host, Robin, and I'm Lynn's sister-in-law, and I'm here to ask your questions. And I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker, mom, and author, and I've been a therapist for over 30 years. Parenting can be a Fluster Clucks, and I'm here to help you find your way. And I'll even tell you what to do and what to say. Tell us about the second puzzle piece that we're going to talk about today. Okay, so the second puzzle piece is one you've heard me talk about many, many times. This is the externalizing worry. So we want to pull it out. We want to recognize the patterns of worry. So when you're externalizing it, this is very helpful for your kids and it's helpful for you because it creates a bit of distance, of course, which is a really helpful thing. And it allows you to see the patterns. When you're externalizing it, it allows you to recognize two really important patterns, two really important things that keep us stuck. And that is the pattern of reassurance seeking and providing external reassurance, and also the pattern of getting caught up in the content of it, which is what you tend to reassure about. I want to stop you right there just okay. as I'm hearing what you say, just to make sure that listeners understand the two steps that you're talking about of avoiding reassurance and avoiding getting caught in the content of what your child's worrying about. Mm-hmm. Those are guides for you. It's to prevent you from reassuring your child. Right. If your child is freaking out about spiders or bugs, don't go down the path of addressing and solving problems about spiders or bugs. Right. Whenever we externalize the worry, so this is a tool for your child, but it's also a tool for you because it gives you a different way to talk about worry rather than talking about bugs or spiders or whatever. So very concretely, we're going to pull the worry out. And if you could see me now, I make that movement where I'm pulling it out. Oftentimes when I'm working with kids, I make a farty noise. I say, I'm going to go in and get your worry. And I go... And I, at what age do you stop doing the fart noise? I never stop doing the fart noise. The fart okay. noise, I feel like it uh, just transcends all age groups. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But use your own judgment. You know, your 22-year-old might not appreciate that. So you're going to pull it out, and now we're going to give it a name. And the mistake that people make when I'm talking about externalizing worry is they think that I'm pulling out the content. They think that I'm like, all right, so if you're afraid of frogs, we're going to pull out frogs. If you're afraid of spiders, we're going to pull out spiders. No, no, no. We're creating a character. We're creating a personification of worry 
remember we talked about expecting worry to show up. What we want to recognize with worry is that it does the same thing over and over again. And that it's just a part of you. It's just a part of you. It's not all of you. And so when we're pulling it out and when we're talking about it in that third person, when we're giving it a name, it allows you and your child to step back from it and really notice what it's doing. Whenever you become an observer of your own patterns, whenever you help your child become an observer of their own patterns, then you're making headway because this thing hijacks you and then people start to talk about it as, oh, well, she's my anxious child or she's my worrier or, oh, I'm such a worrier. Oh, my family is just full of worriers. And it becomes this global way of of viewing your responses. Over the course of the last few years, and we've talked about this in episodes, Mm -hmm. it's come up in the context of different types of families, different ages of people involved. So obviously, when you are dealing with a very worried six-year-old, there's a lot of playing into this is a character that isn't you, and the character has a different name, and this is how it helps them understand this is a worry part. Mm -hmm. But you've also talked about when you have like that tween teen age group where they're a little resistant to this. Mm -hmm. The funny thing is adults get more open to it the same as a kid, but there's that period when they resist and they're like, this is so stupid. Yeah. And they're more than a little resistant. Sometimes they're downright appalled. You know, we were joking saying the farty noise, right? So the the real answer to that is I'm going to stop the farty noise at about age, (laughs) age 10. Tweeners and some teens are very sensitive to being babied, right? They don't want to be treated like a baby. They don't want to be treated as if they're younger. And what the pushback you'll get from tweens and teens is this is stupid. This is babyish. So we just have to bump up the language. So for a six-year-old, I might say, okay, you know what? You have a part of you called your worry part. We all have a worry part. So let's pull it out. I talk about with little kids, I talk about the worry part support meetings that they have. So all the worry parts get together. They meet in the bottom of the basement of a church. They have lemonade and brownies. And the worry parts all get together and they figure out how they're going to boss around their kids and their families. We pull it out and we name the worry part James. And then I'll be like, oh, James, your worry part's going to go to the meeting on Wednesday night. And James is going to walk in and be like, oh, right. Lynn Lyons talked about worry parts and now they're on to me. They figured me out, right? And all the other worry parts are going to be like, oh, no, James, here, here, have some extra lemonade. So we want to play this game with it that they are recognizing that this child now is in on the secret. Like this child knows how this thing works. We're going behind the scenes. We are going to demystify this thing. That works great for younger kids. And then when we get into that older age group, we want to say, look, it is really important for you to learn about your operating system, to learn how you operate. You have a lot of different parts of you. You have a silly part. You have a competitive part. You know, you've got that part of you that's really great at making people laugh. You also have a worry part. Let's pull it out. Let's have a look at it because I want you to be able to recognize when this part of you is taking over you, taking over your family. Very helpful with older kids to talk about other worry parts in the family, to look at mom's worry part or dad's worry part or grandma's worry part. 
so that they begin to see I'm using this strategy, this externalization, just as a way to allow them to observe a part of themselves that they can shift. So if you have a tween or a teen that you're trying to get them on board with this as a tool, Mm -hmm. obviously the first thing if they're resistant is model it. Mm -hmm. Start talking about your own worry part and what it's doing and make that normal. Encourage everyone in the family who's willing to talk about it or name it so that the one who's actually, who needs it the most Mm -hmm. finally kind of says, okay, I, I get it. Right. You know, say you bring this up to your 12-year-old and they're like, oh, that is so stupid. I am not doing that. And you go, all right, look, here's the deal. I know it's a little stupid. I know it's a little silly, but we've been stuck in this rut. And the way that we can change this up is that we have to approach this a little differently. So go with me here. I'm going to pull my worry out. You know I have worry. You complain all the time about how I'm too overprotective, about how I talk to you all the time about bad things. Okay, I'm hearing you about that. I'm going to pull out my worry part. I'm going to name it Ruth. And when you hear me worrying, I want you to say, okay, so now Ruth is in charge. I want you to call out my worry part. Because the more as a family that we begin to recognize how worry takes over, the better off we're going to be. So humor me here, because right now, I think you and I would both agree, your worry, my worry, dad's worry, whoever it is, is driving us crazy. We need to shift out of this. We're going to play around with this a little bit. Bear with me here, because we need to find another way out of this. What we've been doing hasn't been working. We're shifting out of this. You sort of acknowledge that it's a little silly. You acknowledge that, I get it, I get it. You give them that. And then you say, let's play around with this and see what we can do with it. That tends to diffuse it a little bit, for sure. Yeah. I have another question after this break. I really have to pay attention to hydrating properly. I work out a lot. I talk all the time, as you know. I am pretty active and I don't drink enough water. So I'm constantly thinking about how it is that I am going to hydrate in the best way possible. And I'll tell you, if my water has a little bit of flavor, it's so much easier for me. And if I can get those electrolytes, if I can get more bang for my buck, it's just so much better. I have been using liquid IV. I put it into a huge glass. I put it into the refrigerator. It's cold. It's very tasty. I've been putting it in my water bottle when I go to the gym. The packaging is so convenient. I actually look forward to drinking it, which is not something that comes naturally to me. I love the lemon-lime flavor. They've got a sugar-free option that is really great. So I think that if you're somebody like me that has a difficult time getting in the amount of hydration that you need for your body, Liquid IV is a great option. One stick, 16 ounces of water, it hydrates better than water alone. It's got three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, and it doesn't have all that sugar. It doesn't have artificial sweeteners. Eight vitamins and nutrients just for your everyday wellness. It's non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. However you hydrate, grab your liquid IV, hydration multiplier, sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com 
and use code FLUSTER at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code FLUSTER at liquidiv.com. You know when you're listening to a song on the radio and you just have this feeling that the song was written about you or that it was someone that you love trying to say something to you? Well, now imagine the power to gift that same incredible feeling to someone you love with an original song that actually is about them and about your relationship and that Songfinch writes just for you. Songfinch lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people that you love. It's completely unique, it's personal, and it lasts forever. I had the pleasure of creating a family song with Songfinch about our summer celebrations that we have every year. I knew it was going to make everybody cry, and it certainly did. I got to be honest, I was even crying, giving all of the information and helping personalize my song with the writer that I chose. He absolutely delivered a beautiful acoustic song that captured exactly what I was looking for, and it was so fun to share with the family. So whether your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, a wedding or an anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care, start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Don't waste another dollar on more stuff. It only takes four to seven days, but that song will last forever. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free so you and the lucky person or people can listen to it anywhere, anytime. So go to songfinch.com slash fluster and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, a $50 value. Again, the URL is songfinch.com slash Fluster. Don't forget to share your song with us too in our Facebook group, songfinch.com slash fluster. Okay, so we're back talking about externalizing worry, which is definitely something that everyone who's read your book is a takeaway point that they mm -hmm. got. How their kids accepted it and, and adapted it is, you know, that kind of covers the range, right? Because a parent's on their own trying to do this because they're not actually a client of yours where you're doing it. Mm -hmm. One of the things I would think for teens and even adults reading the book about their own worry is to understand what you accomplish as you effectively have an externalizing pattern. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. The reason we want to do this is because a lot of what kids learn, a lot of what adults learn about worry, a lot of what they pick up, a lot of what they wish for is that it's going to go away. They're doing things and they're taught things that are about elimination. And when we talked about expecting to worry as the first puzzle piece, this is the pattern we want to interrupt that you're supposed to do things to get rid of it. So when we externalize it, we're saying two things at once. We're saying both, this is a part of you. It's not going anywhere. We all have a worry part. And you can respond and react to it in a different way. You can begin to recognize that the worry says the same thing over and over again. So what it helps us do is it helps us get out of the content of what you're worrying about and instead gets us into process. So if you have, if you name your worry Sylvia, Sylvia has a few stock 
responses that she brings up. Sylvia likes to create emergencies. Sylvia likes to tell you you can't handle something. And Sylvia absolutely wants to make it about the content. And what we're doing is we're shifting out of focusing on spiders or frogs or vomit or mistakes or whatever, and we're focusing on your response to worry when it shows up. So Sylvia shows up and you say, oh, hello, Sylvia. I want you to be bored with it. I want you to say, all right, so we know Sylvia is going to show up. Sylvia has a few responses. I say to kids, if Sylvia were wearing a t-shirt, what would be on that t-shirt? And that way, the response to it is we're not going to take it so seriously. We're not going to act like Sylvia has breaking information that we need to hear. We're creating that distance, and it gives families a different way of talking about worry in process rather than content. Well, as a catastrophizer, that's like my biggest worry pattern Mm -hmm. over the course of doing this podcast with you. It's been so interesting because I absolutely see my response to it. I am amazing of thinking of the worst things that can happen. Mm -hmm. So something happens with the family and then I start worrying about a specific element of my, one of my kids Mm -hmm. and I can take that story and just run with it. But because of this, because of acknowledging that I'm going to do it, Mm -hmm. because I know this pattern as it's playing out, I recognize that's what I'm doing. Right. I don't even fight it. Like I'll still see the end of it, but I'm seeing the end of it. Like I have subtitles in my own brain movie that says, here's your catastrophizing. And I might even laugh at myself at like how crazy I can take a worst case scenario, for example. Right. But it means that then when I'm in it, okay, okay, worry, go off with your pattern. I don't actually fully react to it. Right. It's been cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. And that's what we want to do is we want to recognize the pattern. So people are good at recognizing it in other people. Say you have a relative that whenever you go out to a restaurant, they complain about the food. You begin to recognize, okay, look, it doesn't matter what restaurant we go to. It doesn't matter what she orders. It doesn't matter what's on the menu. Her pattern, her process is that she's going to complain that the food isn't good. So then you begin to recognize the pattern. And so then you stop playing whack-a-mole. You stop saying, well, let's try this restaurant. Well, if you don't like the meatloaf, remember you ordered the meatloaf at the last restaurant we were at and you didn't like it. So maybe you should order the pork chops or blah, 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 right? You get out of these debates. The goal is to get out of the minuscule debates that you get into about all the different topics of the worry. So if you were catastrophizing about some thing and you were saying to me, oh, I'm so worried about this happening or this happening, instead of me saying, well, let's think about this situation and maybe blah, 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 or why don't you try this? I would say, oh, well, that sounds like your catastrophizing part, Robin. Right. Right? There's Bonnie Doom, as we call it in my family. So you begin to recognize the pattern. The other thing it gets you out of is offering content-based reassurance. So what happens is, that say somebody is worried about spiders, a lot of times what we do as parents is, okay, so let's find out about this spider. Let's do some research about this spider. You know what? There aren't any spiders around here that will bite you and that will kill you. And interesting fact, daddy long legs, their mouth is so small that they can't even bite a human being. And so we start giving all of these facts, all of this information, right? Well, that's not going to happen. 
you start putting in accommodations. Well, we're going to put in a fancy alarm system or we're going to make sure that we do this or do that. We're going to make sure that before we go to a restaurant, we look at the menu and we know exactly what's going to happen. If we get out of the content and we start talking about what worry does, worry that we've named, worry that we've externalized, it gets you out of the content and it gets you out of that reassurance game. Because now we have something very predictable and rather generalized that we're talking about. This is how worry works. Worry always says some version of blah, 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 and you can't handle it. Oh, there's your worry. So you've got a child who's afraid to get on the school bus. And instead of figuring out where they should sit on the school bus and who should they sit next to on the school bus and whether or not the school bus driver is mean and whether or not blah, 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 blah. Instead of doing all of that stuff that worry wants you to do, you say, oh, here comes Joe again. This is what worry says. Worry thinks you can't handle it. And we want to have different responses to worry. So that's really one of the key things is that we want to have a generic or a standard response to worry when it shows up rather than, well, here's our response to when she's afraid of spiders. Here's our response to when she's afraid of the school bus. Here's our response to when she's afraid of sleeping alone. Here's our response to when the babysitter comes. All these different responses. That's external-based reassurance. Because remember, anxiety, worry, want certainty and comfort. And what we're going to do instead is say, here comes worry. Oh, hello, worry. We know what you're up to. This is what you do. You have to know everything. And worry, you're going to say what you're going to say. You're going to do what you're going to do. We are not putting you in charge. We're going to put you outside here. We're going to have a look at you. We're not going to get rid of you. We're not going to send you to the moon. We're not going to bury you in the backyard. We're not going to use magic to get rid of you. We're going to allow you to show up. We're going to observe you. And we're not going to play your game. That's what this allows you to do. I think getting this step integrated into the family response is so important. We've definitely heard about the teen or tween who eye rolls it. Oh my God, this is so stupid. Of course, their anxiety is like, don't do it. Don't do it. They're uh, grinding their heels in and mm-hmm. they, know sh- <laughs> they know stuff is about to hit the fan. Right. Yeah. But what if you also hear the kids who say, that's not my worry. That's me. And I'm really upset about this, right? They think you're denying their feelings. Mm -hmm. Yep. They think you're dismissing them. So that comes up a lot. That's probably the biggest question that I get when people say, so they're all excited. They're going to put this into place. They're going to externalize the worry. And then their kid says, that's not my worry. Like, shut up. I don't want to hear that anymore. You're not listening to me. I get that a lot. Or my favorite line I heard from one of our listeners, oh, you're Lynn Lyonsing me. Oh, yeah, 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 I know. I have kids that the parents come alone to the sessions and then they go home and the parents will start to say something and the kid will be like, you went to go see Lynn again. They're so bad. That's okay. I mean, that's going to happen. Don't be thrown by that. A lot of times when kids say that, then parents feel like, oh, this isn't working or I'm on the wrong track. Expect that to happen. Expect there to be some resistance. And here's your response to that. I know this is really hard. And I know this is a part of you. It's just a part of you that is too big and too controlling. So when that part of you shows up, your feelings are real. The symptoms that you might be feeling are absolutely real. This is real. Your worry part 
is real and it's really bossy and it's really tricky. And so I get it that you're angry about this. Listen, I also know that your worry part does not like to be challenged because the whole goal of worry is to get you and me to do its bidding. Which means stay comfortable. Stay comfortable, stay certain, no risk, no discomfort, right? If you say to your child, I totally get that this is frustrating for you. One of the things I do in my sessions with families when I'm introducing this is I will say in front of the child to the parents, look, you guys might think that this is kind of fun for a few days. It's novel. It's interesting. I predict in day three, your child is going to say, I am not doing this. That Lynn Lyons doesn't know what she's talking about. This is the stupidest thing I ever heard. I predict that that will happen. And in that moment, please remember this moment because it's okay that that happens. This is not a one and done. This is going to take practice. Stay steady, stay consistent and say, I get it. The worry is pushing back. I get it. Your worry wants you to be on team worry. It wants me to be on team worry. And the reason we're doing this is so that we don't let your worry boss you around and boss the family around. And you're going to have to repeat that. That's one of the things too that I want families to know is that this is about repetition. This is about practice. This isn't just doing it once and then having everybody say, yay, it worked. This is about managing the struggles of it. It's about adjusting and adapting. Takes a while to get the hang of it, but don't be discouraged if your kid pushes back, if your child gets upset. That's a way that your child is trying to pull you back into the worry pattern, right? People will say to me, well, how long should I do this? If my child is upset with this, how long should I do this before we go back to the old way? Forever. Yeah, forever, right? Yeah. So think about that and we'll be right back. Robin and I travel a lot. And part of traveling is that you learn that you have to compromise, right? So maybe you're not going to get the best seat on the plane. Well, you know where you shouldn't compromise? You shouldn't compromise with your health care. When it comes to your health, there's no compromising, everybody. Don't go back to that one doctor who didn't really pay attention to you, who rushed you through your appointments. Check out ZocDoc. This is the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, insurance. So literally no compromises here. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be on hold with a receptionist. These doctors all have verified reviews from real patients. So the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. I have two young adult sons. They are always needing something, right? We've had broken elbows. We've had tonsils. We've had this. We've had that. If I were a young person, if I were a parent trying to help my young person find a doctor, this is what I would use. So Go to ZocDoc.com slash Fluster and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Fluster. ZocDoc.com slash Fluster. 
Picture the thing that you've always wanted to learn, and now picture that you're learning it from the person who's literally the best in the world at it. It's fantastic, and that's what you get with Masterclass. I recently listened to Matthew Walker's talk on sleep and the importance of consistency with sleep. I loved Bobby Brown's Masterclass, gave me all these tips about putting on makeup because, you know, I'm in front of a camera sometimes and I want to look good, and Bobby was such a big help. So this year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Like I actually put on makeup the way that Bobby Brown taught me how to put on makeup. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass actually helps you do it. Masterclass offers over 180 instructors. So whether you want to master negotiation with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe you want to learn how to just make your makeup look better with Bobby Brown or sleep better with Matthew Walker, with Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. I loved it. There are over 200 classes to pick from. New classes are added every single month, like a class that talks about your gut health. So many interesting things to learn. So every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's absolutely no risk. Right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash Fluster. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash fluster. Masterclass.com slash fluster. Okay, we're back. So let's review because you've talked about these two puzzle pieces. For people who don't know, this is sort of one of the central approaches in your practice. And it's also outlined in your last book, Anxious Kids, Anxious Parents that Mm -hmm. you wrote with Reed Wilson. So the first episode uh, for this series was about expecting to worry. Mm -hmm. And then this one is about externalizing the worry. Yeah. You say that these seven steps that we'll cover all summer build upon each other. So now if this is something like if you're checking each of these puzzle pieces off the list... Then the first one is like not trying to deny worry. Mm -hmm. Worry is there and you're going to worry and I'm going to worry. Right. Totally normal to worry. Mm -hmm. Now we're trying to separate the worry part of us, learning how to process our worry a little separately from ourselves using our cerebral cortex instead of our amygdala. Right. The first step is we're going to expect to worry. That's really all about normalizing it about saying this is a normal thing that happens. It's okay. So I want people to be more aware of the worry patterns and how it shows up. And then the second step is we're really starting the process of creating our responses to it. And then the next step that we're going to talk about is really how we go at it a little bit more confrontationally almost, how we're going to step in After you expect it and after you externalize it, now we're going to get to the process of retraining that amygdala and laying down some new pathways, which is super cool. Yeah. Did you ever have a little kid say, I've retrained my amygdala? Yes, I have them say that and it's very cute. 
There was one little girl who called it her Amy G. Dalla because that's the way it looks like when it's said. <laughs> so she would like, Amy G. Dalla. The thing I want to say too is remember, your worry part is not your amygdala. That's just a little differentiation, right? Sometimes people say, oh, I'm going to pull out my amygdala. No, the amygdala is just the smoke detector. The amygdala is just the alarm system that gets fired off. The worry is what activates the amygdala. So that's an important differentiation, which we'll talk about more as we go along. Yeah. Okay. So stay tuned for that third essential puzzle piece. Mm -hmm. The next puzzle piece, the one we're going to talk about in our next episode is really the meat of the sandwich. Ooh. Yes. And just a reminder to everyone, the registration for our family retreat in Orlando this fall will close on August 1st. So before summer takes you on all sorts of adventure, please go ahead and register. We only have three spots left for those who do want to have a private session with Lynn in addition to the workshops. And can I tell you what I've been doing this week for the event? Yeah. Talking to balloon designers. (laughs) I never thought I would get to talk to balloon designers before. It's super fun. I was out hiking this weekend and I was just really working on on noticing the beauty that was around me as I'm at the top of this mountain and just looking around. I got really hungry and then I was just really craving. I was thinking about how we were going to stop at this little store and I was going to get some smart food. And then when I got the smart food and I was eating the smart food, it was like complete pleasure. And I was just like, I am eating smart food. Something came out that rocks smart food and it is the best snack I think currently on the market. Okay, what is it? Trader Joe's yeah. has these truffle-flavored high-end Cheetos. Oh. And I know that sounds very weird, but if you've had them, it's like a very light Cheeto, like a pale yellow. Yeah. Not a Cheeto orange yellow. Yeah. And they are a subtle cheese because actually it's like a nutritional yeast as opposed to actual cheese. Yeah. But then they're truffle-oiled. Oh, boy. They're the most fantastic snacks in the world. And if you have not tried them in a Trader Joe's as near you, you're welcome. (laughs) Okay, so when I go into the little store up in northern New Hampshire, if I walk in and say, hey, I was just wondering if you have truffle-flavored nutritional yeast Cheetos, they're going to be like, (laughs) what? I'm going to bring some to you from Boston. (laughs) (laughs) So join our Facebook community so you can ask Lynn a question and connect with our listeners. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Fluster Clucks. Bye, Robin. Bye, Lynn. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.